2: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. always one of my favorite episodes of the year here, the Ravens post-draft review. We're going to go through every pick. Joining me tonight is Jason of Huddle It Up Films. Jason, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Ken. Uh, great to have you on again uh, if you didn't join us for the draft coverage you'll really get a sense of how prepared Jason is for this and ha- and how uh, good a guest he is to talk over the Ravens draft picks in terms of uh, the amount of study he did before the draft and clearly he, he provided a big board it was a great anchor point for us as we did two days of coverage and we're happy to have you on for that Jason happy
3: to have you on for that Jason yes <laughs> well I'm really happy to be here and it's exhausting the draft process and it's kind of like now that it's all over, I'm just looking forward to see how they fit on the team and seeing them in, in pads in the in the training camp. Yeah, a long couple of nights, but I got to say, watching the draft the way we did each of those
2: nights was a hell of a lot of fun. It goes much quicker than it does sitting on the couch alone, that's for sure, uh, particularly day two with that long wait for picks. And, you know, we get to be disappointed with every good potential for the Ravens that we saw kind of dripping off the board off of that time and you know you hear Eric Dacosta talk about it he felt the same way it sounds like
3: and I thought day two went faster than it normally would being with you guys uh, picking so late and not having a second round pick and then waiting all the way to 94 and 104 so it made it a lot less painful to to talk about talk over strategy because I don't know about your friends my friends like football but as far as Getting into the draft, it's hard to find other people like that. So it was great. Yeah, there's a, a lot of fun for sure. And the, the second day is a little more informal,
2: but hope people will go out there, listen to the coverage on the website, maybe join us next year. But we're here tonight to talk about the about this draft that's just occurred, who the players the Ravens got. Uh, we promise you ravens centric coverage, of course, on Film Study Baltimore. And, and we're, it doesn't get any more Raven-centric than just talking about the Ravens players they got and how they might fit into the system. I thought we'd talk with, start with some high-level points about this draft. And maybe you have some thoughts about this. Just uh, we, we can alternate here. But uh, this is definitely a draft for large school talent. The Ravens had seven power five picks, one group of five pick. The only group of five pick they had was Stevens, uh, their last third round selection.
3: Uh, Fairly obvious, you know, these these are the teams that actually played this last year. And the other thing that I thought um, of was not only were they power five schools, but they were they were players that played last year. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of opt outs in this draft and. Even when you look at a guy like Sean Wade or Away, who had better seasons in 19 than they did in 20, it's like the Ravens took into account, hey, these kids tried. They played through a a bunch of stuff. And you know when they come to the NFL, a bunch of stuff's going to get thrown at them. So, hey, when the bottom line, even through a pandemic, they wanted to play, even if their play wasn't perfect, they they wanted a proven commodities. Yeah, good point. I mean, the, the Ravens' shortage on the DL right now is really serious, in my opinion. They they
2: didn't take a defensive lineman in this draft. There were many fewer because of all these opt-outs. So there was a lot of diabetics and, and other issues or, you know, potential type 2 diabetics um, who, who are in that group. Uh, Christian Barmore was there at 27. The Ravens didn't take him. They took Bateman instead. I was a little surprised, perhaps, by that. I, um,
3: how did you feel? I was a little surprised. Um, well... I, I kind of bought into the hype that they were maybe going to wait on a wide receiver. I th- I really thought that if they were going to go um, n- by needs and best players, that edge and tackle really matched up with where they were. So I was expecting a trade back and the, and for them to say, hey, if a guy like Barmore is there and all the receivers are gone or all the edges are gone or all the tackles are gone, we'll take the BPA. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the defensive line, though. It's definitely the one area I thought for sure we'd address at some point, even in the mid to late rounds. And we're going with the same, with the same crew, basically, with uh, not knowing what's going on with Broderick Washington. Yeah, look at looking ahead at this
2: year, um, the, this, this Ravens defensive line is going to be a lot older this year. I mean, everybody's a year older. That's the most older you can get in one season, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, you can go out and get a free agent and get older that way. But the 2022 Ravens, even if they draft you know, one to two players, unless they're really spotting the whole top of the draft to defensive line the way they did to the inside linebacker last year, um, they're not going to be able to turn it over with a lot of free agent money being spent there for 2022. So that's a, now a big um, eddying suck hole of dollars uh, for, for 2022 that it does not allow money to be transferred to the offense easily.
3: Exactly. And I mean, we did get an extra fourth round pick in the draft, so maybe they can use that to acquire a veteran, but veterans are already paid. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about the financial end of it, um, you know, the first thing I thought of was, hey, the last or the first two seasons of DaCosta, we've acquired uh, Peters and then last year Yannick and Dockway. So having that extra fourth round pick in 2022 by trading back. I think we have three fourth round picks now mm-hmm. um, that would give us ammo on a spot like the defensive line if we have uh, some of the older guys banged up or have a serious injury there. But, money, you know, that's not counting money like you're saying. So they're, you know, they're looking forward to that. I, I They did not address the
2: the deficit at offensive tackle. Uh, you, know, you were a little bit surprised in the early rounds. I guess I was also surprised they didn't take a stab at a developmental guy. And, and looking at their other picks, I thought they had some really uneconomical picks, meaning they drafted a guy who would have been there around later or perhaps as a UDFA in one particular case. Uh, a lot of that did not make sense to me. And, and I thought you know, there were developmental off- offensive
3: tackles out there, maybe some guys the Ravens have reservations about. Well, the on, the UDFA we signed um, Ely, I believe his last name is Adrian uh, Ely. Adrian Ealy. He looks more like a, a left tackle when I, ch- I checked him out. He's he's more of a pass protector than than a run blocker. So maybe that's the devel- developmental guy. I like Deontay Smith later in the draft uh, from ECU. But uh, yeah, there were some guys out there. I want to say that round four or five was about the cutoff. Um, didn't the Buffalo Bills Buffalo Bills jumped ahead and, and grabbed a couple of those guys you would consider developmental? Yes, two of them beat us out really twice. I thought Spencer
2: Brown was the pick before Cleveland. And I don't, I, And Ben Cleveland. And I think it's reasonable to think the Ravens might have taken a shot on Spencer Brown at that point. And then they also took, I believe it's Doyle they took later. who's a Tommy Doyle, yes. Long-armed uh, left tackle prospect. Might be a left tackle or bust prospect, frankly, uh, in Doyle's case. So we'll see how that goes. Adrian Ealy, uh, 33-inch arms. So mm-hmm. he's not a guy that had to be drafted. Also, very much like Orlando Brown, totally
3: bombed in the combine. Exactly. Yes. That's I think that's why he went on drafted because, um, you know, his tape is uh, his pass protection. When I watched two games, two games of him today, it, it looked pretty good. But uh, his bend and some other technical things are are, are uh, need some improvement. That's why we put him in the developmental category. But as far as being light on his feet, he's got some some left tackle in him. So but, yeah, I was surprised we didn't address tackle at some point. I, I think most Ravens fans were as well. That'd be interesting because, you know, one of the things we've talked about is the possibility of Cleveland moving
2: to tackle. Maybe Ely moves to guard with the Ravens. That seems like a much more reasonable um, position assignment than left tackle and left guard to me. Uh, just at, at that kind of arm length and, and with his other measurables. And I, I, I say combine, I'm probably going to say that four times on the show. We know there was no combine. Pretty significant issue in terms of not necessarily having consistent
3: numbers. For sure. And some of these guys numbers when I went back and looked and I'm like, it just, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. But um, but I, I like the fact that once again, we doubled up and I thought that Tylan Wallace, I know we'll talk about the players individually, mm-hmm. but that was the one case where we drafted. He just stuck out on the board, at least to me on my board. So I was proud that even though we uh, we had a couple of picks that nobody saw coming, that we did take the value when it was there in Wallace, Wade, guys like that. Right.
2: And, and I agree. Those guys
3: know, I have no issue with value.
2: And even doubling up a wide receiver, while I'm not crazy about it, at least they got value on that second pick. So uh, it's going to be a real interesting summer for them to figure out that wide receiver room because they got a lot of talent and a lot of draft capital already invested there from the last – three drafts now. Uh, four. Four drafts, right? They've been eight wide receivers drafted in the last four years, I believe. They might have cut one already, but, uh, but I'm trying to think of who they, who they have. But I know the Ravens already had six the, first, the past three years, and then they got two more here uh, this year. Uh, let's see what else I have to say about this. Um, they had two cornerback draftees. I thought that was kind of cool given the age of the cornerback position. I, I, in, in the case of Wade, no problem with value and no problem with doubling up at the position. Um, because I think also that, that, you know, what we're going to find with Stevens is that he really is a guy who might end up at free safety, might
3: stick at corner. Um, I watched some interesting film today on him that we'll, we'll get to talk about. And Decosta said flat out, I think I'll quote, he's gonna be. We think he's gonna be a really, really good free safety. So I mean, that that really said it all there. But but yeah, I watched some of the Steven stuff. it will be interesting to get into him. And then Wade, I mean, he definitely has the the skills to play and a tackler, a well, a good enough tackler to play safety too. So I thought with those two picks, we had guys that could that had some flexibility. They they'll find their way into dime somehow. Right both those guys yeah you
2: got four corner dom as a possibility or three safety dime and either of them could potentially contribute to either um, let's let's start with the individual players if we can and, and get right to it with Rashad Bateman the the Ravens first pick 6 L 190 often you know questioned the speed is questioned a little bit but he's a 439 guy i don't know if i completely trust that time but i don't see if speed is really being an issue for him
3: me neither. And I, I just went by the general rule of adding a half second to all the times. <laughs> <laughs> you mean .05? I hope not .5. <laughs> yes, thank 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 you, Ken. But just to, to, yes, just to uh say, okay, if he's a four three nine, uh all right, well he's a mid four fours. We'll we'll just call okay. it that. So uh so yes, I you know, I don't worry about the speed because what he does best is get open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, a, a
2: lot of things to like about what he does. He obviously goes up for the ball very well, uh, not afraid to go after a contested catch. And, and one of the things I, I like to see with that is guys who also can catch the ball over the middle of the field in a
3: contested basis. And his,
2: his heat maps all over the place in terms of where the catches are.
3: I like the fact that if you line him up by himself – won the boundary opposite Hollywood, that he can run that slant and it has to be respected. Mm-hmm. And they have to they have to play it honest, too, because if they miss and it turns into a slant and go. Sluggo. And it, sluggo, right. Yeah. He's, he's creative enough to sell that. Um, really good route salesman. So um, it, it's going to give defenses something else to think about. We saw late in the year where they were trying to screen the ball, throw screens to the Des Bryant or get it to mm-hmm. Ricard in the flat. Well, you know, you have somebody, well, you have two people now. You have Bateman and uh, Sammy Watkins, who can both be relied on for that third and eight, third and six. They have to respect that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough to say Julio Jones will not be a Raven after after uh, Saturday. Not unless we're trading Duvernay, or you know, yeah. <laughs> Duvernay half the, half the wide receiver room. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, we're probably only going to keep six, which puts us at two quarterbacks. So they're going to have to make a decision there. And, um, you know, really, it's looking like Boykin's gonna be the, the odd man out in Prochet. It's gonna be tough to, to pick six because you got your three uh, what would you call starters in Watkins, Bateman, and uh, Hollywood. And then you're gonna have the two or then you're gonna have uh, Duvernay and the other two guys below him. So it's a log jam. Yeah, quite quite a logjam. So they they probably keep six. Um, I would think maybe somebody
2: goes to IR, maybe somebody gets traded. We'll see how that goes. But uh, the Ravens don't have a fourth-year receiver. I don't believe. So they have everybody's a three, a two, or a one that they've got on the roster currently. And yeah, that's right. The two guys they drafted in 2018 were like the only two bad picks. It was Lasley and Scott. In that draft, so so the uh, uh, the it's it, the 2019 and 20 and 21 guys, all six of them are still on the team, along with Sammy Watkins. So uh, it's good. It will be a very tough tough room to pare down. Um, I, you know, one of the things Rashad Bateman is known for having great hands, and of course we see the highlight videos. Very important to understand that is also Bateman's big problem is he's had a lot of drops in college. And I'm I'm hopeful given the nature of them, they seem to be a lot of concentration drops, a lot of trying to get started after the catch. Um, I'm hoping a lot of that can be corrected. It does not really seem to be hand placement. This is the way it is for a lot of other people
3: that they kind of get their hands caught uh, in the wrong spot. Yes, and I was trying to find those to see exactly where the drops were. You know, there, it's a small sample size of what I have access to. But uh, I think more importantly is that he can catch the ball through contact. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we saw uh, our receivers have problems with, is if a defender's hand's in there at the catch point where they're not coming away or or it's just dropped or they're stripped, and Bateman is very strong through the catch point. Um, yeah. And that com- combined with his body control and his route salesmanship, I mean, it's it's a great pick. I think the, what I like most about the pick is that it's a, it's a high-floor pick. I, I think – He'll be a useful receiver in the NFL. If you put him in any system for any team, he's going to get his. And uh, Lamar's, it, it gives Lamar a, a real security blanket. I, I feel like that's somebody he can trust.
2: Well, I I hope they build that trust quickly, and the drops have to factor into that. He can't be a dropper at the NFL level. And more important than being even a dropper, he can drop the ball occasionally as long as he doesn't tip the ball into interceptions. That's the worst. Uh, Not tracking the ball is also good. Not playing to avoid the interception. Not being a good defensive player when that's what's... The option left to you is not good. But I'm also going to agree with what you said about about some of that trust because I think given how he is comfortable crossing the field, he'll be a wonderful extended play receiver for Lamar. I presume Hollywood is going to stay on the right side. We'll probably see Bateman mostly on the left side, occasionally in the slot when they have three receivers. And as plays have to develop – time gets created, Bateman is going to be a good guy to to get open crossing the field and make himself
3: available more. And I think it's interesting that after taking swings at guys who tested out of the water but still had some question marks that they went for route running in this draft. And Bateman was one of the better route runners in the draft. Um, maybe not quite on Jerry Judy's level from last year, but a lot of salesmanship in what he did. And, um, you know, because having good feet, quick feet isn't enough if you're telegraphing it and if everything looks the same. But Bateman, it's really hard. I, I couldn't imagine trying to defend him and figuring out where he's going to go because he doesn't, he doesn't give any kind of tell until the last moment. Him on those little whip routes, I think you call them, we used to call them jerk routes where they go right. in and go back out to the sideline. You, you can't tell where he's doing that. We mentioned the sluggos. You, you can't tell if it's a slant or if it is a slant and go. Um, so I think that Bateman's really going to um, maybe call some attention from the safeties to come over his side. Maybe you could speak to how that will affect Hollywood. I, I, I want to speak to Bateman for a second because sure.
2: I want to talk about his ability to release and whatnot. He's definitely a guy who can beat press coverage. And more than that, If you press against Lamar, you do so at your own peril, because he can create all kinds of time and space and create an extended play where you get beat for a big play instead of getting beat for six, seven, eight yards. Um, So anyway, I think that's great. But the other thing is the Ravens have not done much with bunch formations. And in Pittsburgh, Kansas City, a bunch of other teams in the AFC do that. And I would love to see Bateman be part of that, because you don't know where he's going out of that bunch. A lot of, you know, you can do play some process of elimination with the receiver type in a bunch formation and try and figure out who's doing what. And this guy's going to, you know, go long or, uh, you know, he'd be vertical, but he's willing to go to the inside. If it's a tight end, maybe I, with Bateman, I think he could go anywhere off that. And I think that it'll, it'll make it easier for the Ravens to
3: scheme bunch with him being in that bunch. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that, but um, I, I tell you, when we did run some bunch stuff or, so, something similar we had tight ends out there. I remember we had bunched with with Boyle and Andrews and it's like, well, I wonder who's going to catch the ball. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Duvernay over there. Those other two guys are there to block. So uh so yeah, if you 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 put receivers like Bateman, that that's a great point. He could run any kind of route. Um a guy we drafted later too. Wallace has got some trips tricks up his sleeve. So uh so yes. I, okay. I, I I like where you're going there with that. All right. So I'm going
2: to, like, if I was grading the first pick, if I was grading Rashad pick from three pluses to three minuses, and I think I kind of want to do this for each of these. In terms of where he was drafted at 27, I'm going to say Bateman is one plus for me. Out of three?
3: Out of three. Yeah, but, but, but he's not minus. He's, he's, he's a plus pick, but he's, just, he's not three pluses either. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, would get, I would lean more towards two pluses just because he was on my radar as someone we could pick. So when when the Ravens go way off of where I'm expecting and somebody I think they could get later, that's when I get into the minus category. Sure. But Bateman, if if you saw him mock to the Ravens um, or you had seen him mock to the Ravens and he's somebody that we were, we were picking, somebody that was expected to go late first, early second, uh, yeah, one one or two pluses for me, I would say. Not a home run, but I love it. And it's a guy that could really make a difference in this offense. So... Okay. Yeah. Excited. Excited about that. And uh,
2: uh, you know, when the when the pick occurred, I probably was not as excited as I should have been. But both of these picks, I'm I've warmed to over the last uh, day or two since they occurred. Or in in, uh, in the case of these two guys, I guess it's been three three days now. But let's move on. uh, Owe, uh the number two pick, and we're going to try and pronounce his name correctly. Uh, one of the most amazing physical talents in this draft certainly and I'm just going to toss out a few other things 65 257 you know you you guys know how I love arm length 34 and a half inch arms now there's almost no offensive tackles in this <laughs> class who have those those kind of arms in fact there's almost no offensive tackles in this class who have the arm length of our cornerback that we drafted in the 5th round but but uh, away at a 437 40 my first reaction to all the things which are all you know off the charts athleticism is this is a pile of crap and 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 then i saw his pro day tape
3: and he looks the athlete not an ounce of body fat on him that's for sure man he's uh he's built great and i thought it that it spoke to the coaching too because um as i mentioned with the receivers we went with more polished receivers this year than we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had made some mistakes with you know you go all the way back to your Parryman's drafting athletes first and you know they had some we've had trouble developing receivers. Well, on the other hand, we're we're showing confidence in our defensive line here by saying, hey, here's a tremendous athlete. Yes, we know he needs work. Let's bring him into the Ravens coaching staff, and we're going to turn him into an absolute monster. Yeah, I, I yeah I, I gotta
2: love that, and I think that that. that confidence has generally been well earned in how wink can use a talent, but there have been failures in terms of, of raw athletic talent. King surge comes back to mind, Sergio mm-hmm. Kendall. Um, you know, they had other guys that they liked that maybe weren't the greatest talents, but the, but they saw something on film that they thought was over the top, like, uh, Mount Cody, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> same trap. Um, it's not like they haven't had failures on that side of the ball, but, but they've had more successes than failures. Uh, you know, I'd say there as well. Um, um, offensive line is really the only. Well, now that's not true. We won't get it up. We'll try and judge every position as we go here. Just want to go back to his forty time for a second at 4:37 and just how extraordinary that is. That's only 0.12 seconds, an eighth of a second slower than the fastest man in the entire
3: draft this year, who was 4:25. Just remarkable. And even if I use my .05 rule, that's it's still a four four two. I mean, it's ridiculous. And at defensive, you know, at, at outside linebacker, yeah. Yeah, we'll say the, the front seven. He could, you can even uh, bargain for a defensive end and get that franchise tag money instead of the linebacker money. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, remarkable. And uh, I think he can. I think one of the things that I'm hanging my hat on with this pick is that he can play the run. He looked really, really physical. Um, and I went back to 19 just to just – to, Double check on it, mm-hmm. see if I missed it or saw the wrong game or that kind of thing. And I really think that, that he can use what length he has to, to, to stack and shed. Um, if you put him on a tight end, he's, he's going to dismiss the tight end uh, pretty regularly. Well, I, I, I think we're, we, we're seeing the same things, I'm sure, because I love his pursuit
2: against the run. And I, I love who he could be at the NFL level against the run. I'm not sure he's going to be there immediately. But he has all the tools. And the big tool that he has, whether a pass rusher or as a run defender, is that if he can ever figure out how to counter what the other player is doing, Every single player he ever faces will overcommit to his first move because they have to. He's so quick, you have to overcommit. So if he's one of these guys who develops a great head fake, it's gonna turn into an unbelievable sack production. If he develops a spin move to counter off the outside shoulder immediately, it'll it'll be amazing. If if he can do anything as a second inside move uh off and, off any kind of outside angle, it'd be great. And 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 he can he needs to really turn his speed on and some other ways I want to talk about. But I think I, I, I kind of want to manage expectations for Ravens fans and say there's two categories of the things. So there's things he does well right now, and there's a bunch of things that he needs to do better to learn about football that are still to come. And I thought we'd, we'd maybe discuss that. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, do you have a question? You, 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 mentioned the, well, you mentioned the run part first. Is, is uh, he, I think he already uses athleticism well to clamp down against the run. He can extend and get his arms out there, and then he's great with pursuit. He
3: uses his speed very well to, to run down the run. It really makes stretches to his side a very risky proposition. It really does. And Pursuit, it really stands out. I, I guess his numbers speak for itself on that, but there's an element of hustle that he has in his game too. So, um, high-motor guy. So, you know, I expected to see good things from him when, when the run went away from him. But towards him, I think he has a certain toughness. And to me, that's half the battle in the run game is willingness. I, I, I think we saw that with Yannick when he came here. You know, he wasn't good at it, but he really He really tried. He really tried. Um, to, to set the edge. And uh, with O.A., I think he's a very upright athlete. He can really uh, be strong while he's upright uh, and bench press his opponent pretty easily. And uh, I think that that's going to bode well once he gets in here. I- I'm not really worried about his run defense. I think that'll translate pretty early. And um, that I'm jump right. on the field early. Right. And... Um, something that you said I just wanted to build off of when you're talking about I'm big about special skills his special skills is his speed around the edge and it's just like a uh, a receiver uh, who has speed you have to respect that you don't have to run great stop routes or out routes he's going to get that because you have to you're forced to play off of him right with with Suggs it was the the bull rush you had to be prepared for that bull rush or he was going to put you on your backside so um so yes yeah, so just put a couple of moves on his plate and you know, just let them build slowly. Okay. So I've got,
2: uh, we mentioned his high motor, which was my second thing. Okay. Those are the two, those are the, I think that's the two things he currently brings. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the devil's advocate position on what you talk about him getting speed to the edge because I think where he is right now, he does two things. There are two of my points that are just, you can't live with this. One is he's way too slow off the line of scrimmage. He's too, he's too slow. And his first move, even in pass rush situations, is sometimes just to stand up, not to, not to hit your opponent. Well, you've got to be doing something. You've got to have some sort of a plan. And that means go into the outside shoulder of your opponent. Well, great. That'll, that'll get you the speed you need or it'll help you get the speed you need. If you want to already have a better plan where you're going to counter or you're going to chop or you're going to do any number of things, uh, you know, the only thing he's really got in terms of pass rush moves right now I think is a pretty good rip move. Yes. Um, I, I, it, the problem about going around the edge is that he stands so upright, has no bend in his game at all, that he takes an inefficient path to the quarterback. And so everything's – we used to say great circle route, but great circle route is actually the most efficient way to get around a globe. In his case, it's something much less efficient than that
3: uh, in terms of trying to get back to the quarterback. It's just it, – it looks terrible. And if you remember on the on the draft show, that was my main concern was his first mm-hmm. step his first step it's like for a guy that runs that fast who's that explosive yeah how is his first step that slow but i'm i really believe uh, after thinking about it for a couple of days that that's something the ravens feel like can easily be fixed get them in the right stance maybe stand them up a little bit more mm-hmm. get them looking at the ball just basic coaching points to say hey look you got the speed you, you need to threaten them with that speed and then hey if you see the tackle overset, come back inside if you if you is a little hesitant, go ahead and give him that rip move that you're comfortable with and go around the edge and shorten the corner. Yeah, so You
2: bring up a great point here because there's there's two things going on there. One is, is, he's got to allow his focus to be on other than the man across him. So that's great. And I think the Ravens can teach him that and help him gain some in terms of, how do I look at my opponent? How do I look at the football first to get off quicker? And then how do I look at my opponent in order to make the proper first move on him? The problem is, there's a whole lot of processing speed that goes along with that that people like Lamar Jackson have. And I don't think you can coach it very easily at the NFL level. I think that... You, you know, you teach people who know how to use leverage against an opposing player. They've been doing it all their life. They're, they've are they been playing on basketball since they were four. They've been playing football since in peewee leagues, and they know exactly how the other guy's going to move based on his step. And I was, you know, we talked about this, I think, a little bit on draft night. Anytime you hear Lamar Jackson talk, uh, talk about any topic, it's a very great, very good party line. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a very likable character, period. But it, when he talks about leverage, all of a sudden, he's talking at the mm-hmm. Einstein level about exactly the things he's looking for, and, and it gives you all the confidence in the world. That's what one thing away is really going to have to figure out is at, at leverage. He doesn't have to learn at the Lamar Jackson level, though. He's such a great athlete; he can make you know offensive tackles look foolish just by making them overcommit to his right. first move. So it's like
3: bet first in poker usually wins. First bet wins. That's right. It, you know, and it's, it's true. I think there's some, some parts of this game, as much as we analyze it, you just can't coach, man. I mean, you know, Lamar has that. Some running backs have that. They don't, you can ask some of them and they don't even know. What did you do? I don't know. I just kind of saw him do this and I decided to do that. Well, do you look for that every time? No, that was the first time I saw him do that but uh with away it's something that i have seen with with wrestlers and i have a lot of experience wrestling is if you can get them to key on one aspect maybe they're just focusing in on the left hip with the left tackle Mm -hmm. or you know and uh, i i'm not as knowledgeable about offensive line or defensive end play but if maybe there's one body part or one specific thing that the coaches can get him to key on, if he does this a if he does that b just just do that. Don't worry about anything else. Just and then, hey, he's going to get lucky a couple of times, too, you know, because people are going to panic.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big thing. He, if he bets first, the other the other player is going to over bet. So it's so it's kind of like bet half and then move the other way. Jalen Phillips, very polished NFL pass rusher, had that incredible head fake ability or has it already? Um, he's been concussed. He has injury concerns, but but he's he has unbelievable, you know. Your Jason Taylor-level head fake ability to, to, to get past people. I mean, I, 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 I see it. And, you know, O.A. Is, is obviously does not have that yet. But there's no reason on earth why, why he couldn't develop a first step, which creates all kinds of problems for, for tackles, trying to figure out whether they need to defend outside or inside.
3: Right, and some of these guys they need a lot of moves because, quite frankly, they're not Adafi away athletically. So, mm-hmm. uh, away is one of those guys that hey, I can uh, my crossover can get good, or you know my stutter step drive by can get good, and that's enough to get me by. But um, overall, the pick makes me nervous. But I'm glad the Ravens are confident in themselves that they can get the best out of Adafi. I, I got one more. Um, All of these things is a pass rush. And I I don't doubt that he's going to start on the rush side
2: because they're going to start Bowser on the Sam side. Uh, So it makes sense that, you know, he'd be in there at least for early downs, probably uh, used in some way on a passing down that might be different. Uh, But the big thing the Ravens have got to hope for looking at him, I mean, screams out coverage outside linebacker as well as pass rush now we may become too good a pass rusher to make that be where you want to use him a lot but Judon was a good pass rusher too and they still used him in coverage effectively and it allowed them to have a very versatile scheme that, that wink enjoys now i think they they love that idea i think they also loved it in their other draft pick in terms of what's the best thing we can get
3: out of out of uh hayes was maybe we got another sam in here too yeah, Hayes looks like a Sam all day to me. But uh, away, I definitely think Rush is going to be his primary spot with with McPhee. Hmm. and uh, maybe you see him, maybe you see him at Sam a little bit. Maybe maybe we go with a uh, uh, and and uh, on one side and 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 away at Sam to give a little physicality uh, on both sides. You know, but it'll be interesting to see how we uh, how we mix it up with away and not put too much on his plate, but still let his athleticism affect the game. Right, uh, you know what i'd be okay if every single snap he took this year was on a
2: naked offensive tackle'd be, be okay if they if they just automatically tried to line it up that way. When I say a second sam i'm really talking about on passing downs, he gives you that flexibility for him to drop, and that's still to be a reasonable alternative there and I think he's you know he's clearly got some of that you know for all of the things he's not doing yet, he still was a big ten defensive lineman. Defense lineman right. of the year or whatever award
3: what he won. Yeah, he he commands respect. I, and I think he will at the NFL level too. So, I I wasn't thrilled with the pick. Um, I guess we're going to grade soon, but um, go ahead. You know, I, I I'm going to be critical on, on this one and give it a, a minus one because for this for this reason, I really thought that and Dacosta said the phone was ringing. If you look at that at that draft anywhere from thirty eight to even forty five fifty. We could have gotten two players for the price of away. We could have fixed the edge. We could have addressed offensive tackle. There was a lot of things that we could have did with those two picks. So I, I want to say the pick, um, the player is good. He has room to grow. But I would have liked to seen us do a little something different than uh, than stick at 31. Okay, enormous high ceiling player
2: and I had some of the same feelings you did about it either I was good at drafting Jenkins at 31 I would always so be good trading back and and getting two players that we liked which would have been you know somewhere in the, the 50 and 75 range would have been where we those players would have come Made a lot of sense. Would have made, you know, day two really interesting, certainly, for, for, uh, for covering it there. Uh, but I also like the fact that they got away and they got a very, very high ceiling player. So this, isn't the, this is not a, a high floor guy. He could bomb out, but uh, but I like him so much in terms of what the ceiling is. I I I'd, I'd call this probably a zero at that point. Not, not it's not a plus pick. It's not a minus
3: pick. I just I like it. It's an O, not a zero. Okay, so zero is zero is the option for our grading then. Okay, yeah, an option. I got. Do, I got do you. want to make it a zero? Do you want to change? I, I, you know what? I tend to agree. Just because it's okay. the, the 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 upside and the floor are just like you said, they they even each other out well. But I do think you know. uh, you know, I, I would give it a higher grade because I think that he can bring something right away if not for the players that were picked behind him that I really liked. So hey, economics
2: of the draft pick definitely play into this, and, and I'm going to get in, get on the Ravens for that, some of that on the later picks. But let's keep moving here because uh, this, is, this is going great, but we're 34 minutes in. <laughs> the third pick, uh, probably my favorite Ravens draft pick of, uh, uh,
3: fav- favorite pick of the, of the draft, Ben Cleveland, the guard from Georgia. Love him. I mean, he fits us. He seems to fit us really well in our style because he can pass. He can pass protect. I think that he gives you guard flexibility. You can put him at either spot if you really wanted to. He can execute all those blocks. And, uh, you know, it's tempting to say he's going to play at right tackle, but I just or at least give it right tackle a shot. But why? I mean, this young man's going to be an upgrade on the on the interior uh, from day one. So a great pick for the Ravens. It really kind of solves the mystery of how we're going to arrange the inside of that line. Uh, You're going to have probably Bozeman at center and then Zeitler and Cleveland at the guards upgraded set. You know, that was a position that hurt us in the playoffs and now we, we have two new players in there.
2: A lot of things to say about Ben Cleveland, but I'm going to start with him replacing Bozeman at left guard. And people who follow my work uh, in the offensive line know that I'm, I'm very positive on Bozeman, both as a puller and an overall guard, M- much better than you'll see on, in the PFF scores, for example. Uh, he gets a lot of very high-value blocks. The Ravens ask a lot of him in their pulling scheme. Here's the thing. He'll move to center, and he'll still pull a lot because the Ravens pull left tackle Center a fair amount, not just left tackle left guard when they counter so you you've, you've got a you've got still usage for him over there but Cleveland impresses me. Uh, He's so far above Bozeman as an athlete. And you know I love Bozeman, but he's so far above Bozeman as an athlete in every respect, whether it's speed, quickness, agility. Uh, You know, I don't I I, I guess one thing I would point to that maybe he's not as learned about right now is would be in terms of processing while pulling. There there might be differences there. But to me, Ben Cleveland is just ridiculously advanced as an athlete. Uh, If you think he can't pull, then there's no reason Mm -hmm. I believe Bozeman could pull because he's a 546 guy coming out of school uh ben cleveland is at 501 or 505 sorry so four tenths of a second difference in 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 40 time you look at all the others the shorter times are better the the shuttle the 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 three cone all better um than what bradley did so it's it's you know that's no knock on bradley because
3: he's made himself extremely useful as a level two blocker Uh, it's just cleveland brings a lot more to the position well, I'll defend—not defend Bozeman, but one thing I will say is that he's got the brain for it, the processing. Um, even if he's not the fastest or Cleveland's faster, one thing you know about Bradley is he's going to find his guy and be able to adjust at the last second. And I, I suspect that that's not going to be too hard for Cleveland because, you know, he, he's going to get there. He's going to hes going to get there fa- quickly. Um but uh, but yes, and uh, to to address something else, you said, I mean Greg Roman, if there's one offensive coordinator that has a variety of different runs, if he, I'm sure he's got plays in there where he's going to pull the center. Um, you know we've seen him already. Oh, so yeah. so if he, he he wants to go to that more more of that style, I'm sure he can with no with no problem. But um, one thing I, I think is going to be an upgrade for uh, having Cleveland over Bozeman is that you know I'd say about maybe two, three times a game, Ken. Maybe you agree or disagree. You'll see Bozeman get absolutely crossed up, off balance, and mm-hmm. just barely holding on in pass protection. Yeah, and th- that's something that Cleveland I, I didn't see <laughs> one time. Man, I mean he's very advanced pass pass blocker. Um, hey, hey, let, let me address that if I can. So
2: so with Bozeman, the other teams were really making an effort to hit the left A gap with stunt traffic, even the left B gap when Stanley's there. I thought Bozeman really improved in this last year. One of his big areas of improvement was trying to pass off, but he's not the quickest at doing it. What I noticed on tape with Cleveland, and this is really cool because it could be an indicator of processing speed, but at least it's an indicator of being coached extremely well. In Georgia's scheme, he was on a double team on the inside with the center, usually. Um, uh, and, And I saw some film of him playing right guard doing this and also playing left guard doing this. So so he, um he had his hand on the uh, sorry on the center's block. And so they have a double team and He starts off with two hands on that double team. Then he moves to one hand, and immediately his head's on a swivel, looking to either the – whatever, to the tackle side to adjudicate, first of all, is anyone coming from level two? Second of all, does my right tackle, does my left tackle need help? That is what Marshall Yonda did. To protect James Hurst while he was starting those first seven games at right tackle before Orlando Brown was deemed ready in 2018. It's just, it's next level stuff. A guy who can do that, who understands exactly what's going on, who can process what's going on like that, he's gonna make us very happy as a left guard.
3: You explained that really well. That that painted a picture and, and yes, he does that and I think a lot of it has to do with trust in his ability that if uh hey, if if the tackle's struggling, I can get over there and make a difference. Yeah. You know, it's kinda of going above and beyond, but but it's called we call it looking for work. Looking it's for it's, work. It's, right.
2: It's uh, it's a terrific thing. And and, you know, you don't have to look for work always on a guy who's who's coming from level two. Sometimes you don't have an assignment. But when you don't have an assignment, go pancake the guys next to you guy. I mean, that's, right. you know, sometimes you actually don't help with that kind of a block. I'm mean, oftentimes a chip block from a running back or a tight end more often can actually hurt the tackle in terms of, right. of keeping hold of his man.
1: Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.
2: But boy, if, if Ben Cleveland hits anyone, uh, you know th- that guy's going down. He's I was, I mean, it, it,
3: yeah. I was going to say a lot of times, you know, these uh, a looking for work guy will do exactly what you said. It's like mm-hmm. you know, he, you, your teammate has him handled, you know, and yeah. basically you just you just freed the defender by chipping on him. And, you know, went almost like cheap shot mode. You know, if you're going to yeah. do it, do it. You know. Yeah, yeah, That's, and that's exactly it. I, I, he's he's a good finisher. I, I think he could be an
2: even better finisher. Than he, than he is right now, but he's a good finisher now. And I think we're going to see a very nasty lineman at, at the next level. And, uh, you know, I don't think I – think, I think he will be coached right away to say, hey, look, if you're going to hit the guy, knock him all the way to the ground. Don't make it more difficult for the, for the left tackle to man the edge because you just chipped a little bit on the guy.
3: Right. And don't hit your own man either. <laughs>
2: yeah, there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because edge rushers complain all the time about 225-pound running backs hitting them in the ribs. They're going to have a whole different type of complaint about right. this. It's, it, uh, it really ought to be interesting. It, but also more interesting or, or potentially more helpful because that tackle is almost always close to where that guard center double is in the Raven system because people don't get out of their lanes rushing Lamar Jackson.
3: You, ha- you, you can't afford to take a speed route. So eh, guess what? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like too- that uh, that press man coverage you were talking about. Another reason you don't want to do it. You yeah. don't want to be running with your back turned because Lamar might be running right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. What else do you have to say about Cleveland? Nothing. I, I like the pick. You know, when, when we did our in- interior line show, I liked them then. I, You know, I thought 94 was – I figured one of those guys was going to slip to around that spot. Ended up being Ben Cleveland, and I couldn't be happier. I think this is a great value for the Ravens. I think they got a guy who could have went in round two at the near the end of round three. And this would be this would be a three star if I had to uh, give three stars to any pick it would be this one I'm, I'm with you three pluses on this one with Ben Cleveland uh, he will turn twenty three in
2: august i don't really consider that the same kind of problem for an offensive lineman it is for say a edge rusher or a free safety or a cornerback that would be a big one um but but it it is a guy who might be limited in terms of more limited in terms of second contract value but as far as he is nfl ready he should be starting the very first game of 2021 if he isn't
3: uh i'll really have questions about why not and ken you talk about uh value second contract he he is an offensive lineman for the ravens so Mm -hmm. if lamar is healthy and doing his thing He's going to be worth something come contract time, whether we keep him or or let him go. There you go. There you go. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Brandon Stevens got a little bit
2: of a surprising pick. End of round three. They took him at, let's see, 105, 106. It was one hundred and four actually 104. There you go, free safety cornerback out of SMU, six one two thirteen four forty four forty. Um, I have watched some
3: film of him over the last couple of days. That's the first I've seen of him. How about you? I saw him once, and just you know, it was my fault. I dismissed him. I, I, I was looking, I was looking elsewhere, and then I had saw, I watched Deontay Smith a couple of times. So I'd seen the East Carolina. Uh, game that he had um against s m u and you know he didn't st- he didn't stand out too much he broke up a couple of passes which was nice mm-hmm. but um you know it wasn't a guy who's who had his name called a lot and um you know i I only have access to two games they subbed him in and out they it was kind of kind of wild I don't know if you noticed that it was kind of oh, like yeah. a a line change where they just brought in a whole new group of defensive backs uh-huh. and he's in there and I'm looking for him. I'm like, wait a minute. And, it, you know, I love it when players wear a pair of socks or gloves that I can easily the red tell shoes. He, the red shoes or something. Yes. It's like he just looked like regular guy. It was like, where's 23? Where's 23? But, um, you know, you look at the 444, the 38-inch vert and 10 broad backs up the 40 time. So um, the explosiveness is there for him. And DaCosta said, we think he's going to be a really, really good free safety. When I saw him, he was in press coverage. So I think he gives us that flexibility, too. All right. So I, I've got I've got some comments to make about it. The, one, the
2: game I watched in detail was the Tulsa game. And I saw some of what you saw initially. And by the way, SMU had a 21-0 lead in that game. And they choked it up and lost 27-24, I think. But but it was it was the week b- before they also... Tulsa Tulsa beat Tulane when I was watching two of Tulane's edge rushers, Patrick Johnson and Cam Sample. Mm-hmm. All right. And both of those games, Zayvon Collins ended up winning the game by making interception. Interception, 96-yard touchdown re- return for a touchdown. Interception to end this game against SMU. Let's talk a little bit, though, about, about what Stevens did in that game. It, there, In the first half, he did actually leave the field a few times, which is very odd to me. SMU really has a fucked-up defensive system, just in the the simplest possible terms. They they do so much substitution in the secondary that they had him changing positions on a buy-down basis to go from free safety to corner. So he has very verifiable versatility at that in-game change you know thing they didn't ever play him at free safety because it was an emergency necessarily they played him at free safety or cornerback because they thought that was the best place he could help the team
3: on that, uh, on that uh, down and, yeah. uh, and, you know they. I've never seen that before. I, he I, was hard I, to find. He was yeah. really hard to find. Ken, like maybe that's why he was off my radar because I saw the RAS numbers, but I'm I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Now I watched SMU at least three times. I haven't seen this guy. Like who who is mm-hmm. he? You know, I had to wait. Okay, Stevens broke up the pass. Nice play. You know, mm-hmm. give him his credit. But like, but yeah, man, I, I had never seen that. Where. They're pulling defensive backs off the field, and then Stevens would go from corner to safety. Mm-hmm. And um, But I think his experience at corner will help him. Maybe he's a guy that we ask to cover a tight end or a big slot. I mean, he's got decent size. so Yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely used for that in this game. I mean, he, he
2: played uh, uh, slot corner, he played outside corner, and he played free safety. So you, you can't bat for the Ooh. cycle more than that <laughs> defensive back. And again, I guess he played a strong safety too. But um, a, a few things about him here. They, first of all, SMU had three, three illegal substitution fouls in one game because they couldn't get their defense on the field. Not their offense. They didn't do something wrong there, have a 12th man hideout play, whatever it might be. They, could, they couldn't get their defense on the field properly. So this, this particular scheme was not working for them in terms of, of the mistakes they made. And I think maybe it'll be a little bit easier for Stevens when the Ravens figure out that one position he's going he's to play. I don't think he looked great in coverage in the in the on what I look. At. He plays very soft when he plays on the outside. Uh, seems to really want to respect speed of the opponent uh, more than uh, you know. Break to make a play on the ball. He is a good tackler. He also missed a run tackle that was pretty bad in that game.
3: Yes, I, I, I would say that if you want to see him at his best in coverage, watch the Memphis game. YouTube the Memphis game. He makes a couple of plays on a wide receiver named Moxie, who the uh, announcers were raving about. And in that game too, Ken, I noticed wild with the tackle angles, man. Like he comes flying in there and and misses. Like he overcommits, overcommits in the run run defense. So that's something that's got to be cleaned up. Well, it's good. I mean, I, I they must
2: really like him in terms of his free safety skill set, his his ball skills, and whatnot to believe that um, he'll end up there. Obviously, a part of it is just having a little bit of a gambling mentality, which I don't know that I really saw it outside corner for him. You know, he he wasn't really he wasn't he certainly wasn't Marcus Peters in terms of I'm going to make a pick six and I'm not going to worry if I get beat. He was he was a soft coverage guy, an off coverage guy in this game, and uh, you know. It, It was, there was nothing from that game that screamed out, this guy needs to be drafted in the third round. And frankly, the Ravens had to figure somebody was sniffing around or I don't see how they saw the value in this pick. I mean, it's not a matter of he's a bad player. It's a matter of you could have had him in round five.
3: Exactly. And there was another player on the board, Caden Stearns, that I really liked, which Mm -hmm. is why I'm going to be critical of this pick of Stevens as a free safety. I'm going to give it a, a minus two. I'm mean, going to give it a minus two just because you had at least one other player out there who has experience at free safety. There's a lot of unknown with Stevens. I will say on his off coverage and his, his favor, his break was really nice. The way that uh, once he put his foot in the ground and broke on the ball, it was really noticeably quick, noticeably quick. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I hate to use the word reach because we don't know what other teams are thinking about the guy. Maybe, maybe they kept hearing his name come up and thought a team liked him in particular that was picking. But I thought that there were two options left at safety, a uh, uh, true free safety, if they considered him one. So I just haven't seen enough. This is a either an incomplete grade or a minus two, depending on how I want to look at it. Okay, I, I I go along with minus two. I think that the, you know,
2: obviously the Ravens love him, and that's that's enough for me on most picks. But I just don't think the economy of the pick was there, and they had other guys they could have taken at the at the I guess it was um, fourth round at that at that no it was a third round right it was a day two pick. Yep, it was the comp pick. Yeah, so uh, yeah, there's certainly other players that they could have had at that point that would have been interesting. All right, well, let's move on. Um, the fourth round pick, and, you know, obviously we're looking, starting the day here, and we're thinking, boy, that'd be good if they pick a offensive tackle or a defensive lineman to, to finally address, you know, these things that they haven't addressed in this draft. They went out and they get another wide receiver, Tylen Wallace of of uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, a guy of normal build, 5'11 and a half, 194, certainly not big for a wide receiver. Uh, 450-40 is not
3: going to scare a lot of defensive backs. What do you have to say about him? What I have to say is that I think his height is deceiving compared to how he plays. His body control and ability to time the ball and high point the ball is very good. Um, you know, I, I think that he's going to be a decent route runner at, at least. Uh, fearless player. You talk about those slants over the middle. Mm-hmm. He will take it, catch it, take the punishment, bounce off somebody if he has to. So I, I really love uh, the toughness in, in Wallace. I think that he'll be able to block in our run scheme. Um, obviously, Boykin's on a on another level when it comes to blocking at second level and third level. But uh, I think that I like this pick a lot just because it's screamed BPA. I had Wallace ranked, I think, number 69 on my board, and here he was at 131. So, you know, I, I, I love the pick. He, he's been remarkably consistent
2: in terms of his yards per target. Now, yards per target, most important stat, if you just can only have one for receiver. Now, let me be clear about that. That's the most important statistic as opposed to a metric or a trait. I'm talking about looking at his actual production, look at yards per target is what I always say. So he, he had 10.0 yards per target in college and his three, last three seasons, 10.0, 10.3, 10.0. So it doesn't get much more productive than that. Just, just by comparison purposes, there have only been two wide receivers in Ravens history who've ever had a single season of 10.0 or better uh, yards per target. So that's really outstanding. Uh, I thought he was a great value pick, and I'm with you on a lot of the contested catch uh, things. And he is very fearless. He plays high. Reminds me of the other side of Diami Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Deami Brown definitely a, a a pure left side vertical receiver. Tylon Wallace makes a lot of his money on verticals on the right side. So one
3: question comes up is how does he fit with Hollywood in terms of being on that right side? Well, we saw Hollywood on the left side a few times running dig routes and. It was pretty uh, pretty successful, if so I remember. Uh, we, we had some success with those plays. But uh, maybe that is Oklahoma State wanting him there. Maybe he's more comfortable there. So that's the big question with it is, can he play on the left side? But um, I think that if he is comfortable playing on the left side, he'll give us what we expected at Boykin at the very least. Like You, you don't have to be a 4-4 guy to, to win on the deep ball. This guy does it a little differently. He's really strong at the top of the route. He's got all the push-off moves, the, the last second, the really crafty at the top of his route to give him that last second separation. And then, like I said, the body control where he can go up, twist, turn, angle himself, um, you know, and make an acrobatic-type catch and keep his feet in bounds. So it'll be interesting to see whether if they get him on the field, they say, hey, we know he's comfortable on the right side. Let's let's try Hollywood on the left side or maybe he gives maybe he subs in for Hollywood. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I think the, the two touchdowns Hollywood had in the Miami game, which were I think on his first two passes, Lamar threw to him in 2019 were both left side one was kind of a slant route that he, that's right that he took off on the other one was a deep route that i believe was on the left side i could be wrong about that but uh but i have
3: to think back i may, I've got to watch that game again now and really and really see yeah thanks ken yeah. <laughs> the, the slant route he the slant route he was definitely on the left yeah but uh, i'm trying it's to think of one. the deep ball yeah I I okay so anyway we'll, we'll we'll confirm
2: that one way or the other but uh, we I think we've seen certainly a lot more production from from Brown over the last couple of years on that right side as opposed to the left. So we've seen Boykin
3: mostly lined up on the left side. And what do you think about this Ken if you have like Hollywood is lined up on the right in the quarterback's vision because he's just clearly been the best receiver on the team. Mm-hmm. What if, what if this draft changes that and they say, hey, we have a diverse guy like uh, Bateman uh, can run a bunch of routes. We have Wallace, who's comfortable on the right side. What if what if Hollywood uh, becomes our ex-receiver? Um, it's a long shot, but, you know, if you have two guys that can do what he did, maybe he was on the right side because, I mean— his skill set, though, screams, uh, screams the receiver. But, man, I could see him on some right-side right cornerbacks mm-hmm. um, and just tearing them tearing them up, man. Like. Right. I, I'm a big fan of respecting the receiver's dominant
2: catching shoulder. So if the receiver likes to catch the ball off his right shoulder, off his left shoulder, you put him on the appropriate side for it. And I heard Chris Carter talking about this once, and he's like, you know, I always like, that. and I forget which shoulder it was for him. It was left or right. But he goes, you know, if the ball comes over my, I think it might have been my left shoulder, I just turn my body all the way to catch it, which really limits yak Potential, by the way, when you do that. So he, you know, he's turning 180 degrees, or you know, maybe 200 degrees to catch the football. Whereas, you know, if you catch it over the shoulder, you catch it in stride, and and you're 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 gone. You can make a house call from there pretty easily, or or some of the time, let's say let's say pretty easily. But uh, I, I, I'm a big believer in respecting the the shoulder that the, the receiver likes to catch the ball, and so I'd like them to try and scheme around that if they can. And it all breaks down on extended plays. It, it actually it it may not
3: help as much. To have that dominant shoulder side that you start on. And you, you bring up, you, you pop something into my head, and that's the back shoulder throw. Mm-hmm. Um, something that Wallace and Bateman have both shown that they have a, a knack for. And we haven't seen Lamar throw those. So I want to see if that's something that has to do with the receivers or if it's something that Lamar's not comfortable with because he'll have an opportunity to throw some with these two guys. Yeah, I mean, if you can if you can generate a lot of off coverage, then you can certainly do that.
2: Um, hopefully, you're you you don't uh, well, yeah. Hopefully, you 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 don't put yourself in a position where it's easier and there's help over the top in zone coverage that that might create some interceptable balls that way Flacco obviously, you know, could throw a, whatever you thought about Joe Flacco, he could throw a snowball through a blast furnace without getting it soggy to steal directly from Bill James. (laughs) Um, you know, he threw that out route like nobody else in terms of the velocity and that really put him in a, in a great position for that to be a big weapon. It made Mason, uh, a better receiver than he was for years after, um, you know, he was, he was in decline. So I, 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 I don't know if it's going to work the same way. I kind of think that, that still schematically the Ravens
3: are not at their best if they're throwing short to the outside. Yeah, overall, though, you know, since we, we spent a lot of time on the offensive picks here so far, um, it's a, it gives Roman a lot of flexibility into how he wants to attack this. And uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what kind of personnel groups he does. Uh, they all do something different. Uh you know, you, you pick the personnel, like we, we can throw pretty much anything at you now. So it's going to be really interesting. I, I can't wait for the preseason. actually, I want to see what, what these guys can do and how they're being used. Yeah. If they throw out 10 personnel, say, or something that would, that'd be pretty cool. If they, if they did that with their ride right receiver set now. Right. And imagine, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, imagine Lamar's threat of scrambling in the yeah. 10 personnel. Oh my goodness. would
2: <laughs> <That'd> be fun. <laughs>
3: All right, let's move on here. We we're actually need
2: to actually hurry this up a little bit. But uh, Sean Wade, the cornerback from Ohio State, is their next pick. Uh, six feet, one-half inch, 192. 4'46", projected 40. I've seen that time for him. Here's the thing that I love about Sean Wade: 33-and-a-half-inch arms at cornerback. Don't tell me arm length doesn't matter at cornerback. It's, you block out the sun with those arms. And at 33-and-a-half <laughs> inches, he's got arm length that offensive tackles in this draft are very jealous of. Adrian Ealy... He didn't get drafted because he's got 33-inch arms. Uh, Liam Eikenberg is an inch and an eighth shorter, and, and would love—I mean, he could be an all-pro if, if uh, or be a Pro Bowler if he could play at 33 and a half inches at left tackle. Uh, but Sean Wade has outrageous length,
3: and uh, you know, was what would have been a much higher drafted corner a year ago. So you're saying there's a chance he could he could be effective in press coverage. 33-and-a-half-inch <laughs> 30, arms is, is pretty freaky for his size. Yeah, I mean, the, the press coverage is one place it helps, but you just have a, a much bigger deflection radius than everybody else with that kind of that kind okay. of, uh, uh, arm length. No, I hear that. I, you know, I hadn't thought about I don't associate uh, arm length to corners and that much. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that would help at the catch point, but— um this, you know, I'm going to give, if I have to give three stars to a pick, I'm going to give it to, to Sean Wade. And the reason is it's a high upside, a big swing. You're talking a really talented guy who could have went in the first round last year, especially how value cornerbacks are. So if you can get a talent like that in the fifth round, if he busts out, so what? Like he, he could turn into one of the better corners in the league. And I found it interesting that all this information came out about the players after they were drafted, all this medical stuff that was being hidden. So he battled turf toe. He had all these deaths. He had three deaths in the families. With poor guy. I mean, he really, really um, went through it and continued to battle and struggled down the stretch in big games. And he dropped way off, way down, way, way off yeah. the board with some teams so I, I want to address that specifically. So it's 2020 versus
2: 2019. So I, I want to go to the stats in a second, but I heard the same vid- the tape you did, I think, because it was the Ravens interviewing him after he was picked kind of thing. And, and uh, he, he did mention a lot of things that went wrong with my life. My first thing is, boy, I don't want to hear a lot of excuses. But the thing that turned me around on it was that he said, you know, so I got involved with a group called Cleats on the Ground to try and address those issues. So if if he's if he didn't have any answer and Sergio Kindle was kind of like this lots of excuses, you know, no n- never good reasons for things. There were, there are other players who were in this category too. Um, you know, but they're not doing anything about it. This guy at least did something about it and said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to try and fix my life on my own outside of football and, and you know, the cleats on the ground seem to be a, a good way to do that. But 2020 He allowed 9.2 yards per target. He will not get drafted in the NFL allowing 9.2 yards per target. That's terrible. 118.4 passer rating against. Mm -hmm. And this is what's really bad. An 18.4% target share on the outside. So it means when Ohio State had him on the outside, for the snaps he was in coverage, they threw the ball at him 18.4% of the time. If you're in the
3: slot, maybe. No way on the outside. Yeah, I tell you, um, it's a tale of two tapes because 2019, man, I had to go back to see what he looked like when he was at the top of his game. And it was lockdown, man. It was lockdown city. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I saw him get bullied a little bit, for lack of a better term. I saw him get blocked out of bounds. Uh, I've seen him, um, you know, just just kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, out physical. So the turf toe, when I heard about the turf toe, that kind of made kind of made a little bit of sense from a balance standpoint like man this guy can't really plant. he doesn't have his feet but i think the ravens respect the fact that he tried to play through all of it when he could have easily mike dropped after the 2019 season and said you know what forget it i'm going to get drafted in the first round let me rest up let me let me go through all this uh, he wanted to play and um it hurt him you know it cost him mm-hmm. probably uh, literally millions. Milli- millions of dollars yeah. so the ravens are taking a chance but in the 5th round i love it big big swing yeah, it's a it's a it's a big
2: swing, and uh, just to just to go back to 2019 stat wise, uh, let me make sure I have this right up lined up here. Yeah, 2019, five point four yards per target versus 9.2. 70 passer rating against. That's perfectly fine. In fact, it's excellent. Uh, One eighteen. In, in 2020 and a 16.6% target share, which doesn't seem like a lot less, except he was playing in the slot. So you, you get more targets in the slot, of course. Maybe that's not an of course, but you do get more targets in the slot. Sure. So having a higher percentage is, is not a higher share there is not bad. Um, I think he's, he's a very obvious slot cornerback up to Tavon Young, and I think he's the, he's the heir
3: apparent after 2021 if Young doesn't step forward with a big year. So what, what would you grade it, Ken? Do you like it because of the upside, or does it make you nervous? No, no, I love it. Uh, it. First of all, it's it's an end of the... Right. It's
2: a fifth-round pick. It's a fifth-round fifth round pick. pick. Yeah, there's no downside. I, I, okay. I love the pick entirely, uh, unabashedly. I I... I, I Probably just because of how he played in 2020, I can only give it two pluses as opposed to three. But there's nothing about the value of the pick that I don't love or the or the potential upside that I don't love. So uh, it's just it's a fifth round pick and, and it's, you know, getting third round value for a fifth round pick kind of thing. Love it. Love it. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Dalen Hayes, the outside linebacker from Notre Dame, uh, he's got outside linebacker size at 6'3",
3: 253. Uh, pretty average athlete. Average athlete, but there's a lot that, I, that screams to me that he fits in the system. Um, first of all, I noticed, um, so I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Just, I'm, I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, he need, First of all, negative, he needs to diversify his pass rush or have some kind of plan or mm-hmm. something because that's not there. But he seems like a perfect guy. Like if you want to take Bowser off the field or if Bowser has to miss a couple of games, the perfect guy. Like most of his highlights, if you just YouTube his highlights and you want to see what he's all about, it's a lot of coverage, mm-hmm. a lot of PBUs and coverage. And then it seems like he was standing up. Every every play that I saw him, I very rarely saw him with his hand in the dirt. So here's a guy that can come right in, play on the strong side, drop in coverage, not give you too much with the rush. But, um, you know, there's a lot to like, I think, as far as how he fits in the defense. Yeah, I think they won't have any shame playing him on the other side either if they don't want to weigh in for that down. Um,
2: but but he, he would make a lot of sense to be a second player. Able to drop linebackers. So when we talk, when I talk Sam linebackers, anyway, I'm I'm saying he's a guy who can drop to cover on a passing down and and uh, not not get you hurt. And I think he's there. And I think you're right. You know, if you're talking about taking some early download from Bowser, I think that could make sense also.
3: I think there's other people who could do it as well, but I think he's he would make a lot of sense for that uh, uh, that role. He's kind of strong for his size. I I feel like he's a good comp, like a poor man Zayvon Collins, like. You know, he doesn't look like he'd be able to set the edge. at I have him six three two fifty three, but um, you know, he plays a little stronger than that. But, but yeah, when I think about that si- Sam linebacker, I'm thinking you you have to be able to drop in coverage. And I mean, like some of these are exactly the same the same coverage re- duties that the Ravens are going to ask him, dropping kind of at a forty five degree angle to take yes. away the slant. Like he's doing that consistently through the game. It's not just once or twice. You don't have to look hard to find it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that is exactly what the Ravens asked for them to do. If you think back to the very first game of
2: last year, they, you know, the Ravens dropped Campbell off the defensive line and had him horizontally move to cut off that slant route. He tipped it. Humphrey intercepted it. Remember, Campbell's all pissed off. He didn't get the interception. Of course, it happened right behind him. But, you know, very first series of the year, you see that. But that's how the, the, the Ravens create difficulties. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are known for exchanging coverage, and the Ravens occasionally do that, but it's actually fairly rare. The Ravens really try and beat you with lateral underneath movement when they drop a defensive lineman. They've had some very good success
3: over the years, you know, creating some interceptions doing just that. Exactly. And I could see him, uh, Taylor Hayes fitting in into the race car right away, Ken. Like, yeah, it'll give you, like, you don't need to have a pass rush plan to like blitz through the A gap. So you say, hey, you know, you can either have him, you know, blitz through, get skinny through the hole or drop the coverage. And he's one of those guys that you could, you could trust to drop. So where's that coming from, you know? So if, if you're, if
2: Judon did that last year, I'm sorry, let me be careful what I'm talking about here. The standing race car package outside linebacker, which they had used a fair amount. They didn't always line up five guys up front. It was often one defensive tackle, so often Campbell. Uh, it was Wolf sometimes, too, along with four outside linebackers. But the fourth outside linebacker did not always line up on the line of scrimmage. They did, they did that a fair amount where they had two edge guys, two inside guys, usually Ferguson and McPhee. But they also had a lot with Judon as a standing inside linebacker. I love that spot for away. I love okay. it for a way. The quickness he's got, the, the fact that he doesn't have the really good bend already built. I mean, he's perfect for, th- for that sort of thing. I'm sure Bowser will be the guy who'll do it a lot this year. And, you know, you're really just showing a different pass rusher. But imagine, you know, Patrick Queen and away standing up on third down. I mean, that's Mercy. a
3: lot of speed to have to deal with. Well, I know Patrick Queen can get skinny through the hole. That's one of the things he does best is blitz. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there is a little bit of skill involved in it. It's not just like the quickest. But yeah, man, that uh I could see that too. Adafio way up the middle. Where where are you going to go? You can't really run away from him so I, I'll, give you, I'll give you my downside on Daylon Hayes is that um, I think he has
2: a limited upside in terms of strength at the pro level and you nailed it because you said he's already got pretty good strength for this whole, but that's the problem in a sense he's mm-hmm. going to be 23 in two weeks he's already supposed to have grown man strength so while other players like a way we should see a you know a buildup in terms of strength um, or or in, in terms of many other drafted players Cleveland be the one exception where I think he doesn't need to get any stronger um, but but a lot of these the other guys uh, do need to, and we can expect them to. And in the case of Hayes, I'm not expecting a
3: big pro upside in terms of, uh, in terms of strength. Yes, that's why I'm going to give this a one, a one rating in the positive. Um, I think for insurance policy, very good move. But uh, unlike Wade, the upside is, is going to be limited. He's not going to turn into a pass rusher by the time he leaves the building. Um, he is a collegiate man of the year, the ward finalist, so he has that uh character, his off the field stuff, so he's he's kinda like a Ravens type of player and that, you know, they're they're a very big on character. Yeah, in fact, uh, that was also true by the way of Stevens that he he got some specific
2: award to wear the same number as the first African American player in the Southwest Conference did, and every year SMU gives one player the right to wear number twenty three, and he
3: earned it for for this season. That's kind of that's kind of a cool thing to have on his resume. And and Ken, uh, you know, sorry to interrupt, but that was a theme almost with every pick. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, of course the players or coaches talk up their players, but when you see character and team captain through multiple um, sources, multiple scouting reports. They don't do that for every player. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're kind of selective on who they say high character guy. And um, each one of these guys had glowing reports about their, their leadership and self motivators, that kind of thing. It's it's good to hear, certainly. I did have one other point about Dalen Hayes is that
2: I thought, you know, he, like a lot of other guys the Ravens have had in the past, has really excellent ball skills that aren't just a matter of ball skills playing the pass. He had four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, four passes defense. And you you can see most of his passes defense on the highlights that are out there of him, but one turned into an interception of his own. Every pass defense – sorry, every interception is a pass defense for the player. But another Mm – turned into an interception for a teammate and I love, love to see that a guy who really knows how to play tip drill pdu as opposed to just uh our as opposed to uh just knocking the ball down
3: I love it like i said safe pick i think you know a role player and if we can't get a Justin Houston or somebody else in here, it kind of gives us a little peace of mind. At least he can contribute in coverage. Should, should be part of any six to make
2: five, five to make four kind of outside linebacker set that the Ravens will have. Uh, I think he will get some activations. I think the Ravens expect him to play some special teams. He's a zero for me in terms okay. of plus three to minus three scale. But I don't hate the pick. So the next pick I didn't like, <laughs> Ben <laughs> Mason, a fullback, uh, you know, six three two forty six, a 477, 40. He has, you know, obviously a lot of people like Tommy Tremble out, out of this draft in terms of a guy who could kind of do it all as a Swiss Army knife. And I think that was really more true of Tremble than it is of Mason. Mason is really more of a traditional fullback, no pedigree
3: as a receiver at all in college. Well, I tell you, Ken, you kind of stole my thunder there because we, we didn't <laughs> talk about talk. this before before the show. But if you were going to draft another player in this mold, why not why not go ahead and get Tommy Tremble, who can do what Mason can do, but also has a, a lot of upside. He's got a lot of room to grow as a traditional tight end receiver because he wasn't used that way. Ben Mason is not going to be that guy. He actually, I saw a lot of carries for him when I watched, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he was he took care of the ball, so maybe. You know, like my my first note here on Ben Mason is Ricard is a free agent. That's the mm-hmm. the first thing I wrote down, and it's got to be a move for the move to hedge their bets on the future. So, it, when did uh, Tommy Tremble get drafted? What number do you know? I'll look no, it I right don't know. I don't know offhand, but I know that we passed on him. You, are you looking it up? I'll look it nah, up. I'll, I'll look it. I'll just take me a second here. So, yeah, I want to say like middle of the fourth though. So. Well, if he. No, it's third round, eighty-three. So the Ravens had no chance to get him. Okay, all right, no well, realistic I, chance. I take that back. Then we got Ben Cleveland. We're we're glad Tommy Tremble was <laughs> was taken before him. So, but uh, but yeah, um, I mean, what are the chances that he would have been undrafted? We could have brought him right in. He would have said, "Heck yeah, sign me up." Because there are yeah, only pretty, two or three teams. Pretty pretty that, high, I think. Yep. And that's, that's, that's the problem I have with the pick, is the Ravens did some
2: good things in terms of trading. I thought it was really good that they reset their draft with a 2022 fourth. I thought, you know, they, they got decent value on that pick, a pretty good value, in fact, I'd say. Uh, but then, they, you know, you kind of – when you reach on a player like Ben Mason as a fifth-round pick as opposed to getting him as a UDFA, and, you know, this, there's a smorgasbord of other players still out there. I mean, Trill Williams of Syracuse was not drafted. Neither was Ardarius. Ardarius yeah, right. it, would have been a good Riddens shot. Got him. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but there, I, there's got to be some defensive linemen out there. They liked enough that they'd have rather had him than Ben Mason if they knew they could have Ben Mason as, as a UDFA. And I, there's so
3: few teams that actually use a fullback that I think that probably would have been the case. That's a good call. Defensive line would have been a nice spot to address there, and I don't have offhand who would have been there, but I'm pretty sure that you could find at least a two down run stuffer. There are a bunch of big guys in here, like uh, Tozier Tonga. and Tonga. You know, yeah, it's Tonga and Tozier I think went real late, but um, you know, even if they added uh, another another safety, or um, Darius Washington went undrafted, uh, they could have added competition to Justice Hill, honestly. Um, got yeah. themselves a back. They could play special teams and kind of reset the clock on uh on a young back. You have Gus. That's a, a you know we're gonna be playing a tag game and wondering if he's signing. So I didn't understand it. Like I, I don't I don't even want to grade this pick just to, out of respect. But um, you know he's a guy that you know I didn't scout any fullbacks. I didn't see any need for it. These are these are guys that usually come undrafted. There's only what two three. I'm thinking three teams use a fullback. You know, it's just, a, it's just a handful. I mean, right. I uh, think
2: the, the uh, Tommy, sorry, not Tommy Togier. Um, uh, K- Kiaris Tonga is a fairly obvious one. And then I had one other in here. Jalen uh, Twyman from Minnesota. He, and he was a productive. He was yeah. a
3: productive player. Um, like his numbers his if I remember what slid him down. My board was his testing was awful. But um, I tell you, when it came to, 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 uh, Jones, the second, the outside linebacker, I think like a lot of his production came from Jalen Twyman. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, you know, it's, it's no, no use crying over spilled milk, I guess. But, uh, but let's just hope that, uh, that, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, let's, let's see if he can play a role, you know, let's see if he can play a role and get himself active on special teams or something. I gotta be pissed about this for one more minute here because
2: Twyman didn't play in twenty twenty. In twenty nineteen he had ten and a half sacks, twelve tackles
3: for loss. So so but he tested poorly, so maybe that tells you that you know, I don't know. Off. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's really took to get the COVID, the 15 or whatever. It's a, it's a gap year. <laughs> so there
2: you, go. It could, you know, that could well be. And it could be a real uphill battle to get his work ethic into place and whatever. I want to believe that that's true and the Ravens really know what they're doing. I, personally, fullbacks who play a lot of special teams, that's usually not a, a great combination. It certainly hasn't been for the Ravens in the past when they've had bigger, powerful fullbacks, which they seem to really like. You know, mm-hmm. with him or uh, with, uh, sorry, Ricard or Neil or other guys they've had in the past. Uh, you know, they may be on special teams, but they're just not that valuable on special teams in, in terms of that. And it, it leads to deactivations when you only have a few snaps to hand out for the position in a game. It's just it just I don't like it as much. And um, there's nothing about Ben, my, uh, uh, about Ben Mason that was so exciting to me that the Ravens just had to have him. Obviously, well, a hardball connection from Michigan.
3: Well, Ken, I, I was just messing with you about the Twyman thing. I mean, obviously, there, you know, there are other players. That are be available, we can nitpick whether Twyman or somebody else, but um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. I guess when I'm looking at it is Ricard's a free agent. And then just take a look at our history with fullbacks. I, I think one, even what Sam Gash was mm. like the first notable one. And then we had Ovi Maley and then we had uh leech and then we had the usard Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they all ended up on another team. So as Ravens fans might not want to hear this, but with Ricard about the hit payday again, after this season, um, Ben Mason might be your starting fullback and, Maybe they don't want to use a fullback as much in the future, so they just want to have him just in case, but I mean, still. There's, there there aren't any spots for just in case on this very tight
2: roster. So right. if, if Ben Mason's going to stick around, it's going to have to be on IR. Uh, I just – you know, if you go, you could go to the practice squad and not be taken by anybody, but that would just further, you know, solidify the notion that you could have had him as an undrafted free agent. So
3: anyway, hey, good, good luck. I hope he turns into our favorite player. You know Me what too. I mean? Me
2: too. I, if, I, you know, I, I hope I'm considering buying a jersey of his in two years. There that you go. <laughs> be, be a, a wonderful uh, place for Ben Mason and up. Anyway, great talking through this draft for you. So many things. Such an interesting draft for the Ravens. Really nice for them to get up to eight picks. You know, They had nine originally as it started. Each one of them has a lot of texture to it in terms of, of why. And I think they did a great job overall, given
3: the year that just occurred and how difficult it must have been to scout players. Yeah, I'm sure that deep breath, uh, sigh of relief was taking taken after this draft just because of everything that went into it. So I had I had a lot of fun talking about it and uh being on with you in draft day and I love hearing the feedback from the from the Ravens flock out there. So please if, if there's something that you want to uh, ask or if you just want to argue with me or discuss something, you know, find me at Huddle It Up Films on Twitter or YouTube and I'll be more than happy. I love talking ball and you know i'm not afraid to answer questions and 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 talk it out Highly recommend Jason. Really did a lot of obviously excellent research coming
2: into this draft. You know, created a big board that we were were really consistently entertained by and referring to as we went through that draft coverage. By the way, that's all posted out there now. The first round is on filmstudybaltimore.com. The second, the uh, the uh, day two will also be posted very soon. So uh, he was on both nights uh, with us. Some great stuff there, and and just some great discussion as we uh, as we waited for these picks to occur. You can see how true Ravens nerds uh, love to wait and
3: handicap what's going on in the draft as it goes leading up to the Ravens picks. Time flies when you're having fun. Like we there was a lot of stuff we didn't even talk about, man, that we could have really got into. So um, it was it was a fun draft. Thanks, Ken. I really appreciate you and everything. All right. Well, great great having you on here, folks. Uh, take a look out there on filmstudybaltimore.com at new content, all kinds of
2: stuff coming up. And don't be a, don't be ashamed ever. Send me an email or a direct message on Twitter. My messages are open in terms of uh, doing a film study short, particularly if you've got any kind of work you've done, any kind of analysis you've done. Love to have you on, discuss it. And uh, if, you, if you don't, if you're just passionate about something the Ravens ought to do, love to talk about that, too. So uh, a great time right now, by the way, between now and the beginning of camp to hit me up with those we'll get them recorded very quickly get them turned around quickly there's not a big stack of these in front of you as there are at some other times of the year but really appreciate it folks and we'll talk to you next time on film study